This is Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. Hello, I'm Lakeisha Anderson, Director of Academic and Professional Affairs with the National Communication Association, and I'm your host on Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Today's episode of Communication Matters, the NCA podcast, addresses the upcoming NCA 107th Annual Convention, themed Renewal and Transformation, to be held November 18th through 21st in Seattle, Washington. This year's convention will represent a return to our traditional face-to-face format after last year's virtual convention. Today, NCA First Vice President and Primary Program Planner, Roseanne Manzik, joins us to discuss the upcoming gathering. First, some information about attending and registering for the NCA Annual Convention. Hotel and travel information for the NCA Annual Convention is available on the NCA website. In addition, NCA recently created a page about the convention and the COVID-19 pandemic to address some of the concerns about meeting in person. And this year, NCA has extended the early bird registration deadline until October 1st. Members and student members still have time to register at deeply discounted rates. Visit natcom.org forward slash register for more information. Now a bit about our guest. Roseanne Manzik is the University Distinguished Professor in the Department of Communication Studies at Texas State University. Manzik's research focuses on images of women, the rhetorical uses of history, and the construction of public memory in museums and monuments. Mancic has co-authored a scholarly book about the rhetoric of Sojourner Truth, published numerous articles and book chapters examining historical and contemporary rhetoric, and served as editor of Women's Studies and Communication. In addition, Mancic has served in numerous roles within both NCA and the Southern States Communication Association. As NCA's first vice president, Mancic planned the upcoming NCA annual convention in Seattle. Hi, Roseanne, and welcome to Communication Matters. Hi, thank you very much. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm happy to talk about, about this great convention we have coming up. First, let's talk about the theme itself. The convention will focus on renewal and transformation. What does this mean to you, especially considering the ongoing pandemic? Right, well, it was the ongoing pandemic and also, I think, so many personal and public crises and challenges that occurred for all of us in this last 18 months or so. And that kind of overlapped almost exactly with the planning and when I was coming up with what my theme was going to be. And so for me, both words are really important. Renewal meaning that we resume after some kind of an interruption. And I think that this last several months has been a time that's been fraught with anxiety, but also interestingly opened with opportunity. So it's a way to think about how we replenish our scholarship, how we take stock of our commitments and recommit to things that are important and are valuable. And then I think the transformation piece is connected to the same kind of turning point where we all need to think about what we've been through and then what kind of dramatic change and thorough changes 
can we make in the communities in which we live and where we do our scholarship and our teaching and our, we practice our professions. And so the theme of transformation is a chance to engage in dialogues, to think about powerful changes, how to improve our communities, how to really orient our discipline in new and meaningful ways. So listeners who have been keeping up with the convention newsletter may know about some of the sessions sponsored by the first vice president. I want to highlight a few of those for our listeners. The opening session, Honoring Past and Present, Communication, Culture, and Change in Native Seattle, sponsored by the Waterhouse Family Institute for the Study of Communication and Society, will be held Thursday, November 18th from 5 to 6 p.m. Could you tell me a bit more about this panel and the importance of having this discussion in Seattle? Sure. I'm very excited about this program and so thrilled that we were able to bring together the group of NCA scholars and then also scholars and activists and community representatives from the native Seattle communities. So, you know, it includes this mixed group and it's going to have a focus particularly on how the native communities use language and arts and culture and ritual and how communication helps them meet the challenges that they face when they're in their communities. So I think in particular, having this in Seattle, in the Pacific Northwest, where we have strong communities of urban American Indians and Alaska natives. And also it is the first year that NCA's newest caucus the Indigenous Caucus is coming into existence. And so I think the fit is exciting and just perfect for where we're going to be both as a discipline and physically located in Seattle. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's going to be a really interesting opening session panel as well. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. NCA has also been contributing to the ongoing conversations about anti-Asian violence and has been highlighting the ways that communication research can address and help diminish this ongoing discrimination. This important work will continue at the convention with the Anti-Asian Racism and Biased Bystander Training Workshop to be held Thursday, November 18th from 11 a.m. to 12.15 p.m. and with the urgent and enduring problem of anti-Asian racism, Perspectives from Across the Discipline of Communication, a panel to be held from 11 a.m. to 12.15 p.m. on Friday. I know that inclusion, diversity, equity, and access initiatives have been important to you as first vice president, as well as to the executive committee at large. Why do you think these initiatives are important? And what would you say to potential allies who are on the fence about attending bystander intervention because they may not think this is a problem at their institution? Well, I'll take the first question first about why these initiatives have been so important for me, both in terms of really in in both years now that I've served as an officer with NCA, because in recent years, our discipline has had some very significant and very important conversations and debates around issues connected to diversity, inclusion, equity, and access. And those conversations from the communication so white to the debate over the distinguished scholars and how those are selected and many other kinds of pieces of that conversation that have evolved have been important. But part of my commitment and I think part of the commitment of many, you know, most of the leadership of NCA is to move forward and move that from those conversations to action. 
And so, for example, one of my initiatives has been to name an inclusion, diversity, equity, and access idea strategic planning task force. And that task force has done their work. The plan's been submitted. And so those are the kinds of things that I think we are engaged in. And I think it's the beginning of a, of a long journey. And it's not going to be a sprint, but those kinds of initiatives are so important because there's hard work ahead to implement, to commit, and you know, back to the convention theme, and do you transform the processes and the practices of our association? So that's why it's important in so many ways. And for this specific bystander training session, what I would say to those potential allies is that what we know about this kind of violence is that it's often perpetrated behind the scenes. The biases are deep-seated, they're historical, they're often microaggressions that we may not even be aware of in our campuses, in our communities, in our departments, among our colleagues and students. And there's a phrase in the description for the bystander training that I really like. And part of the function of that is what they call cultivating compassion. And I think that's a really important way to think about it. We may not think that the problem is anything that touches us, but it's our responsibility as members of a community to cultivate that compassion, to reach out, to learn to hear stories, to understand, and be prepared to be the advocate that can intervene when that opportunity arises. And so I, I think I, this is such an exciting session, and I'm so happy that we're able to sponsor it. And I, and I really hope that lots of people will attend because I think it can make us a more compassionate community within NCA and within where we live and work. I would also argue that it gives us an opportunity to learn to be examples to junior faculty who often have problems or experience difficulty speaking up or not being a bystander because of repercussions that they perceive could happen. And it gives us an opportunity to learn more about how to speak up and use our voice for those people who may not feel that they have that voice all the time. So I think that it's a great way to lead by example. Yeah, that's right. I think that's absolutely right. I also want to highlight NCA's support of non-academic or alt-act careers. On Saturday, November 20th, from 1230 to 1.45 p.m., you will be sponsoring Transforming Communication Expertise into Alt-Act Careers, Insights from Industry Professionals and Reflections from Graduate Students. What was the impetus for this panel, and what do you hope doctoral students and faculty will learn from this panel? Right. Well, this one is, I think, really going to be an important discussion. And it, and it again, hitchhikes onto and continues conversations that have been happening already. In particular, a workshop that was conducted as part of NCA's Advancing the Discipline grant program. The workshop was called Exploring Career Options Beyond the Academy, and it was hosted by the Transformation Project at Arizona State University in April of 2021. So this panel at the convention continues that conversation and brings the workshop essentially now to our full membership and opens uh, the possibility of participating in this conversation. And it's appropriate, particularly, I mean, really for a whole wide range of NCA members, but especially toward 
doctoral students or our recent doctoral graduates who are interested in cultivating careers that are outside of or maybe adjacent to the typical professorate roles, the typical tenure track kinds of positions. And so the panel will provide career advice and best practices from industry professionals ranging from corporate to research to health to consulting. And so I think it's a it's a conversation that's been ongoing and one that's important for us to have in terms of the vitality of the discipline and what are really the contributions that communication experts can make, not just in the academy, but in many, many ways. You mentioned that this came from an Advancing the Discipline grant, mm-hmm. and the person who received that grant, Sarah Tracy, will also be doing a job talk at convention. And our job talk series is heavily focused on the Alt-Ac opportunities as well, because we've had a, a lot of interest in that the past little bit. So we're going to focus on Alt-Ac careers, and she's going to bring some of that expertise that she shared in her workshop to the job talk. So I'm glad to see so much is happening with the Alt-Ac conversation. That's terrific. I didn't, I didn't realize that was going to be happening. That's a great overlap. In addition to the panels we've already highlighted, one of the key events of the NCA annual convention is the Carol C. Arnold Distinguished Lecture, sponsored by Pearson. This year, Louisiana State University professor Tina M. Harris will be lecturing on intentional transformation in the midst of change on Friday, November 19th from 5 to 6 p.m. Harris will address how communication scholars can transform academia and society by responding to inequities and injustice. In part, the goal of the Arnold Lecture is to highlight the relevance of communication research to society and to showcase the most accomplished researchers in the field. Why did you select Harris to deliver the Arnold Lecture? And what about her research and experience speaks to this moment? I am very happy about this question, and I'm very happy to talk about Dr. Harris. I've known her for a long time, and in particular, she and I have worked together in the Southern States Communication Association, where she's currently serving as vice president. So she's a leader in the field in terms of her service, but as well as her scholarship. To me, Dr. Harris is the definition, of the, very, the very embodiment of an engaged scholar, I think, whose voice is so very, very vital at this moment. Her research and activities exhibit a kind of critical consciousness, I think, and action and also implementation. So she's committed, I think, in terms of finding ways to bridge scholarship and research and practice, to bridge our ideas with our activism, to think about how what we do in our academic lives also impinges on our personal lives and to look carefully and critically at those intersections. I'm excited too, because your scholarship is wide ranging with over 50 publications that I think interrogate our cultural practices, inspire us to do better as mentors and as allies, things that she's written about. She's written about dismantling practices of discrimination. She's written about addressing microaggressions and how those function, particularly in the academic community. She looks at African-American representations in popular media and critiques how those images work. And right now she holds a very distinguished 
endowed chair, the Manship Maynard Endowed Chair in Race, Media, and Cultural Literacy at Louisiana State University. So I think she is just going to be fabulous. She's going to challenge us. She's going to have us think about what it means to be engaged and to transform and the many dimensions in which that works in our scholarship and our practices. So I hope everyone comes to hear her. She's going to be fantastic. The Presidential Address and Awards presentation, which is sponsored by Rutledge, Taylor, and Francis, will be held on Saturday, November 20th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. and will feature a presentation from NCA President David T. McMahon of Missouri Western State University on the topic of assessing and advancing the discipline. McMahon will be speaking to his perspective on the state of the discipline and its future. What's your perspective on this issue? Oh, I have lots. I think that in choosing the theme again of renewal and transformation, I really was thinking about how especially these recent times have challenged us to think about why our discipline matters and why maybe it matters more than ever in terms of what communication scholars and practitioners and researchers can contribute to how we understand moving forward, how we understand how communication connects us in so many ways, but also can divide us. I mean, we've seen so many of the challenges in the world around us with the pandemic, with the calls for social and racial justice, with the political uprisings that we've seen and the challenges and the clashes and the divisions. So I think our future for as a discipline, really, it portains both challenges, I think, and big opportunities. For NCA, it's a time for us to recommit, particularly one of the things I'm going to be doing is committing us to strategic planning and moving not only that idea strategic plan forward, but now looking at a comprehensive strategic plan for the association and where are we going to go and the heels on the tails of all of this energy and all of this opportunity. And it's an opportunity to engage all of our communities, right, to use our communication expertise to significantly explore and advance and act with commitment as we face all of the challenges ahead. The four sessions in the Renewal and Transformation series are Democracy, Discipline, Disruption, and Dissent. Why were these topics chosen and what will these panels focus on? Right. Well, again, when I thought about the theme, it was interesting to choose that in a time period that it had had seen so much upheaval and in so many different sort of degrees and disciplines and, and dimensions of our everyday lives and again, our professional lives. So when I thought about my own theme after I'd chosen it, I thought, well, what in particular, if, you know, one of the great things that the, that we get to do as vice presidents and the, the planner for the convention is we get to put together in some way or form and sponsor some special programs. And so I started thinking about what were some of the main areas that I really wanted to hear people talk about. So it really came personally from me and bring the sort of best of our scholarship and our activists and our ideas and our teachers together around four really significant places where I think the changes have happened. And so hence, I chose the four themes of dissent, which speaks to the Black Lives Matter, the racial justice protests that we experienced in the last two years, 
going back to the, the murder of George Floyd, we have democracy, which really speaks to challenges that and and sort of the outcry and the dismay and the shock of the events of January 6th and also the ever increasing, it seems, presence of white supremacist violence and white supremacist discourse. The disruption panel was really my thinking about disruption in our teaching and in our learning and in our what we do as communication scholars and practitioners. And then finally, discipline. Where are we in you know, what we just talked about, the transition point, the opportunities that are ahead? Does our discipline matter? And so all four of those programs, I invited some very wonderful colleagues of ours to take the helm and do the planning for those. And they went places that I couldn't have even imagined. And I'm, I'm so thrilled. So the Descent program that was planned by Andre Johnson and Amanda Nell Egder from the University of Memphis brings together a conversation among four activists who were as they say in the in the description of the panel, on the ground in Seattle in the summer of 2020 to talk about their activism and to talk about how they work for social justice in the community. The democracy panel, this is amazing. Casey Kelly from the University of Nebraska was the principal planner here. And he enlisted his colleague, Angela Aguayo from the University of Illinois to make a documentary film And their initial idea was to bring together a diverse group of rhetorical study scholars in particular, who come with very different backgrounds, very different kinds of expertise. And then they set out to have a conversation with those scholars to try to make sense of the white supremacist violence, the events of January 6th. And so the documentary film captures those conversations where the scholars are invited to talk about and consider the same touchstones, the sights and the sounds, to talk about the verbal discourse, to talk about their embodied experience of racial violence. So then Angela Aguayo is the filmmaker who's going to create the documentary. And at the panel itself, The film will be screened, which is very exciting. And then several of the scholars who appear in the film will be in a panel discussion afterward with Angela and with Casey. So I think that that is just going to be unique and exciting and just really, really spectacular and very thought provoking as we listen to those scholars think about their conversations that they had that were captured on film, but also have conversations with each other. That's really neat. I, I look forward to seeing that myself. And just also thinking about, you know, the topics that can be addressed in in this series. I'm thinking about things that are even more recent, like the continued struggle for reproductive freedom in America and how some of those conversations can be had, especially you know, when you were saying democracy and dissent, that was immediately what I thought about because we have so many national conversations about that right now. And I know that you know I teach health communication and a lot of my students have been writing about that lately and their own ideas and opinions around that that are not always political. They just are interested in having that conversation and how they can use communication and their voice in order to, to speak out. But that it doesn't always have to be political that they're talking about, but it can just, you know, it can be a conversation about 
democracy or how they can choose not to want to be part of something that was made for them. Right. And as we know from, you know, way back when, from the the women's liberation movement of the seventies, it's the personal is political, right? And so really thinking about those intersections is really important, regardless of which one becomes, is your starting point where you either come at it from the political or you come at it from the personal. It's having those conversations that helps us engage and become aware and become conscious and build a consciousness about those issues. And while we're talking about students, I just wanted to say a couple of words about the other two in the series as well. The disruption panel was put together by a good, really good friend of mine, Diana Ivey, who is over at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And I just kind of threw the idea of let's talk about pandemic teaching, teaching and learning. And she came back with this really fantastic program that we're going to have that looks at the disruption in our usual practices of face-to-face teaching, but thinks about whether that was unwelcome or whether that was an opportunity. And to take up sort of the conversation, she put together a panel that brings together four pairs of teachers and undergraduate students. And so that in particular, I think, is going to be really exciting to have those young emerging voices of our communication majors to talk about what their experience was in this disruption to their learning and how they managed it and negotiated it and how they came to understand who they were as students and what their relationship to their faculty were in the midst of that. So I think that one's going to be really exciting. It's really different to feature our undergraduates. Yeah, that's great. And the fourth one, the discipline panel, the principal planner there is Jimmy Manning from the University of Nevada, Reno. And what Jimmy has done is really creative as well. He's posed some questions about does our communication research really make a difference and what meaningful transformation is necessary for us to be able to make an even broader impact or more important impact than we already do. And so he has brought together a panel of six communication scholars who are currently engaged in what you might call applied or um, practical or activist kind of research and scholarship. And they're going to each on the panel give brief talks that are going to raise provocative questions. And then much of that discipline panel will be devoted to discussion. And the plan or the thought is that down the road, there will be potentially a continued conversation, maybe in the pages of a journal, maybe in future sessions as that plays out, but sort of to really capture this moment to have that conversation about, again, the relevancy of our discipline, about where are we going, about what should we be doing, particularly in our research. So I'm excited about that one as well. In addition to these events, the annual convention also presents opportunities for networking with colleagues from around the nation and around the world. Given the pandemic's impact on gatherings, many people may not have had the opportunity to network in person with colleagues for over a year, so people may understandably be looking forward to seeing one another. What opportunities are available for networking this year, given we're still in the midst of a pandemic? We've been thinking about that a lot, and in terms of trying to take what people enjoy about a face-to-face convention and about the networking and about 
the opportunities to connect. And of course, being sure that what we, whatever we do and this ever-changing situation is going to be following the best practices for safety and and whatever the current rules and guidelines are that are in place. But there's lots of great opportunities to think about, maybe not always the ones that seem the most obvious. So for example, there are the receptions. And for anybody that's brand new and for whom this will be their first convention, we're happy that you will be joining us. And there is always, if you're not aware, a newcomer's reception that happens on the Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And I think we always give coffee. I hope we still do. I know I'll be looking for it at 8 a.m. But that's an opportunity to learn about the association, to meet the officers, to get tips on how to navigate the convention and to meet some of your other newcomers. So highly recommend that, especially for our newest folks, but also for our returning folks. Maybe you haven't attended in a while. Maybe you want to come and be a mentor to a newcomer and extend your welcome. So that's really an open reception for everybody. The next one is our big welcome reception that is on Thursday at 6.30 p.m., and that immediately follows the opening session. And so that is open to everyone. And it's a chance to reconnect, to connect for the first time, to meet folks, to celebrate that we're together. There's also an inter-caucus reception. The, uh, the seven caucuses of NCA come together to sponsor that. And that is on Saturday at 6.30. And that's always, I have to say, as a longtime member and you know celebrator of the caucuses, that's always a good time. There's lots of energy in the room. There's lots of wonderful people to meet and interact with. And it always has a, a very upbeat mood, I think, to that particular reception. So I, I, I always enjoy it greatly. But there's also some other opportunities that, you know, you may not think about initially. You know, for graduate students, of course, there's the graduate school open house and a chance to interact with the programs that you might be interested in. But I know I wander the graduate open house to say hello to my colleagues that are representing their institutions. It's an opportunity to meet some students, to see former students, right? So it's a networking, I think, wonderful kind of mixing opportunity that sometimes we don't think about it in that way. There's also, of course, opportunities to just visit the exhibit hall. I think some of my favorite conversations from past conventions that I can remember have just happened by happenstance of running into somebody in the exhibit hall or starting to chat with someone while we're looking at the same book and discovering that we teach the same class and discovering that, you know, we know somebody in common. So all of those kinds of networking opportunities, the exhibit hall is a great place to just kind of wander in and start chatting with folks and discover those common interests. The other thing that I would mention that sometimes people don't think about, but I know in my experience has been really important, is going to business meetings. And that might not seem like a networking opportunity. You you might initially think, oh, those are dry and dull, and I don't want to go to that. But oh my goodness, it is a place where scholars that are interested in teaching and researching the same thing that you are 
or they're interested in advocating for the same kinds of issues that you're interested in, they gather. And yes, there's business to be done, but there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of celebration at the business meetings as you hand out awards and you celebrate the best of the scholarship. There's lots of opportunities to volunteer to be involved in many ways in those groups. So whether it's your you know, one of the academic divisions that's in your area of research or teaching, or whether it's one of the sections that brings together folks from similar institutions like the community college section or the K through 12 section, or whether it's one of the caucuses that is involved in advocacy and engaging in issues connected to, you know, marginalized populations and our marginalized voices and keeping NCA on the on the straight and narrow and keeping watch on what we do. All of those are great opportunities to meet people and to interact and to network. So I encourage all of them. I agree with you about the graduate open house. I always make sure that I go through because it's a great way for me to meet the people, to catch up with the people for my doctoral program and meet the new doc students that are there and see what they're doing. And because I was the first person to graduate from my doctoral program. So it's always fun for me to see what they're up to now and to see the people that I graduated with and what they're doing at their schools. And so I think that that's a great way to reconnect with old friends and and just get to see some of the faces that you don't normally get to see. But I think it's often overwhelming for new people to go to an interest group meeting or business meeting, especially if they're new to the discipline or it's their first time at convention. Do you have any tips or tricks for them to get over kind of that nervousness of going to their first business meeting? Yeah, I think so. I think that one of the tips that I would suggest is get there a little bit early, if you can, and introduce yourself. I know that sounds overwhelming, but often the officers for whatever group it is are gathering at the front of the room and they're setting up the slideshow or whatever the PowerPoints that they might be using. But just saying, hi, I'm new to the business meeting you'd be surprised at how welcoming they are because new people are the lifeblood of that group, the energy of the association and the discipline. And, you know, we want you to be there. You know, the folks that have been going to those business meetings for years and years and years, I mean, we enjoy seeing each other, but it's so exciting to have somebody come up and say, I'm interested in, in what's happening and I'm a new scholar and, And especially if you haven't been to one before, it's kind of fun, right? I mean, the fun of the, so I remember, I think that many of us remember from our first conventions is putting names to faces, right? And going to those meetings and saying, oh, that's what that researcher looks like, or that's what my favorite author of that great article I just read is like. And and then going up and saying to them later, I really enjoyed reading this. And I just really, I, I use your essay in my class or whatever it might be. And I would say, I mean, my own personal story that I like to tell is that's kind of how I ended up, I think, on the path to leadership and how I ended up being where I am is I went, I think it was my first year when I just had gotten out of graduate school and was in my first job beginning at Texas State. And I went to the Women's Caucus meeting. And I didn't know what really they were about, but it was where my my research was. And I walked in and I was welcome, but kind of, you know, hung in the back. And it happened at that meeting that they were looking for a new newsletter editor. 
And before I knew it, my hand shot up and I volunteered. And then now suddenly I was in, you know, I was a part of the group. I was engaged in the conversations about what the caucus was about. I had all of these new connections. So I know it can be overwhelming, but it also can be so rewarding and will lead you places you couldn't expect. So since we're talking about face-to-face conversations and opportunities for receptions and things of that nature, I want to address the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The NCA annual convention will be held face-to-face, as you've said, but some listeners may have concerns about meeting in person. NCA has recently published a webpage about NCA's commitments related to the COVID-19 pandemic, but what precautions is NCA taking at the convention to help ensure attendee safety? Right. Well, we are, of course, is um, following all of the local and the facility and the state and the federal guidelines for best practices for health and safety. And currently in the city of Seattle, there is an indoor public mask requirement, indoor public facility mask requirement. So, of course, if that is still in place when we are there, we're going to be following that. And I suspect that it is likely going to be. We also are taking all kinds of measures, of course, hand sanitizer stations and making additional masks available, putting sanitizers into the rooms, encouraging social distancing, that people stay aware of that and attendees stay aware of that. We are designing a kind of sticker for name tags where folks will be able to, attendees will be able to communicate what's your level of comfort with distance, you know, sort of uh, thinking maybe on a stoplight sort of green light, I'm open to hugs, yellow, um, you know, stay six feet away and we'll elbow bump and, and red, I'm pretty comfortable just being in my own bubble. So we're looking at doing some innovating things like that. And then also we are watching the, the most recent development in King County, which is where Seattle is located. And September 16th, 2021, King County Health Order now requires that patrons of indoor restaurants, bars, and taverns with seating capacity of 12 or more, and importantly, entertainment and recreational establishments, including exhibit halls and convention centers, must provide verification that they are fully vaccinated prior to entry. So our two convention venues in Seattle, the Washington State Convention Center and the public spaces, including restaurants and bars in the Sheraton Hotel, will be subject to compliance with this order. For purposes of the health order, fully vaccinated means that a person has received all of the required doses of an FDA-authorized COVID-19 vaccine, two doses of the Moderna or Pfizer, or one dose of the Johnson & Johnson, or a WHO-authorized COVID-19 vaccine series, and that 14 days have passed since the final dose. Consequently, then, all of our attendees at the 2021 convention will need to provide proof that they are fully vaccinated and should be prepared to present your CDC COVID-19 vaccination record card or a photo of their card or documentation of vaccine administration record from another vaccine provider, including an individual's doctor or pharmacy or other official immunization record from within or outside the United States. And that includes also, again, a photo or a photocopy. 
So of course, we're going to continue to watch this very closely and more information is going to be communicated in the coming weeks. So to review how we're working to make the convention a safe and rewarding experience overall, please visit the convention and COVID NCA webpage frequently. And that's at natcom.org slash convention and COVID because we're updating that page on a regular basis. Great. And for the people who may not be attending convention this year, are there opportunities for people to participate virtually? And if so, will they need to register to do so? Yes, there are opportunities. Excited to say that many of the things that we have been talking about, many of the spotlight programs, the Arnold Lecture, there are nine total sessions that are going to be live streamed. And there's no registration required for that. And those are going to be accessed through our website. So those include not the bystander workshop for anti-Asian American violence, but the panel that looks at the history and the continuing status and the continuing uh, historical biases connected to and how to address anti-Asian American violence. All four of the renewal and transformation programs, the four Ds uh, that we've talked about, are going to be live streamed. The Arnold Lecture by Dr. Harris, the Presidential Address by Dr. McMahon, and the awards ceremony. So even if you can't be there with us face-to-face in person, you can come and watch and live stream and celebrate and applaud both our president and his address and your colleagues who will be receiving the association's awards. And I'm just really excited about that. The Alternative Academic Careers Panel is going to be live streamed to open that to a wide access for people who are interested in that. And to end where we began, uh, the opening session about Native communities is also going to be live streamed. So all in all, we have nine really wonderful opportunities for that participation in a live way, not just watching the video, which I'm excited about, that are going to be open for everyone. Great. And to wrap it up, how does the convention demonstrate that communication matters to the discipline itself? Well, I think in so many ways, it demonstrates that communication matters. It matters in terms of giving us a space. Now, convention is a, a place to gather for many reasons. It's a place to reconnect, to reinvigorate, this year to renew, again, our commitments and to learn from each other. So that we then, from those connections and from our lessons learned and our advocacy and our passions and our distinct viewpoints that we share in that convention space, we then go forward from that to take that back to our communities. And that's our, you know, our personal communities, our communities where we live and work, our academic communities, our research communities, our scholarly communities. So many ways the convention becomes the hub for us really connecting and then carrying that forward, I think, in powerful ways that really do matter because that's where the heart of us learning from each other happens and then takes that forward to us having fresh perspectives and fresh tools and fresh ideas that then we go forward with to improve the discipline and to really demonstrate how our communication and our research and our scholarship and our teaching matter. Great. Thank you, Roseanne, for joining me today. 
Thanks. It's been my great pleasure. And listeners, I hope you'll join us for the NCA annual convention in Seattle. And again, please visit natcom.org forward slash convention for more information and to register. In NCA news, note that there is still a week to register for the convention at the special early bird registration rate which offers significant savings. NCA would like to remind convention-goers about important precautions related to the COVID-19 pandemic. NCA will be following relevant federal, state, and local laws and guidelines in hosting the annual convention, and will adjust plans based on changes in these laws and guidelines. Frequently visit natcom.org convention dash and dash COVID to view ongoing updates regarding the COVID-19 pandemic, current guidelines and mandates, and how we are working to ensure the health and safety of convention attendees. And listeners, I hope you'll tune in for the next episode of Communication Matters, the NCA podcast on October 14. The episode will serve as NCA's Fall 2021 public program, Communication in a Changing World, Navigating Relationships During and Post-Pandemic. NCA Director of Academic and Professional Affairs, Lakeisha Anderson, will moderate a conversation about interpersonal relationships and social support in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Special guest panelists, will include Jared Borup of George Mason University, Elizabeth Dorrance Hall of Michigan State University, Chris Segrin of the University of Arizona, Mitch Vatterloss of Montana State University, and Courtney N. Wright of the University of Tennessee. Be sure to engage with us on social media by liking us on Facebook, following NCA on Twitter and Instagram, and watching us on YouTube. And before you go, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to listen in as we discuss emerging scholarship, established theory, and new applications, all exploring just how much communication matters in our classrooms, in our communities, and in our world. The National Communication Association is the preeminent scholarly association devoted to the study and teaching of communication. Founded in 1914, NCA is a thriving group of thousands from across the nation and around the world who are committed to a collective mission to advance communication as an academic discipline. In keeping with NCA's mission to advance the discipline of communication, NCA has developed this podcast series to expand the reach of our member scholars' work and perspectives. Communication Matters is hosted by NCA Director of Academic and Professional Affairs, Lakeisha Anderson. The podcast, organized at the National Office in downtown Washington, D.C., is produced by Assistant Director of External Affairs and Publications, Chelsea Bowes, with writing support from Director of External Affairs and Publications, Wendy Fernando, 
and content development specialist, Grace Hebert. Thank you for listening. See you next time on Communication Matters.